This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 387. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and I am so excited to bring this episode to you today. This is one that I had the pleasure of recording together with Bruce Gray, founder, CEO of Gray Guns. And also, we bring on partway through the show his director of gunsmithing, Keith Hosey, as well as his director of production, Jordan Castro. We had a great chat talking about all the really cool and amazing things Gray Guns is up to these days. We also go back in history and see how they came to be and Bruce's background. A little bit of history lessons too coming out about some of the great gunsmiths uh, back in the day and other great shooters that, well, because a lot of those guys, uh, we have a lot of the advancements and guns and modifications and improvements that we take for granted these days. So I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. Now, this is the fifth in a series of podcast interviews I had the pleasure of doing while at SHOT Show 2020 at the invitation of Sig Sauer in their booth. And so because of that, we'd like to recognize Sig Sauer as an honorary sponsor of today's episode. And naturally, because of Bruce's kindness uh, and and willingness to come on the program, well, we got to recognize Grey Guns as well. You can learn more about Sig Sauer at SigSauer.com, and you can check out Grey Guns and all the amazing products and services they have to offer by heading over to GreyGuns.com. Now, that is G-R-A-Y-G-U-N-S.com. And officially, this episode is sponsored by ConcealedCarry.com. We'd love for you to stop by the website sometime and Check out everything we got going on there. We appreciate your support. So without further ado, I think let's hit the play button on this interview. Let's go ahead and roll that now. Hey guys, welcome back. Riley here with the Concealed Carry Podcast. And we are still, of course, in the Sig Sauer booth at SHOT Show 2020. And I'm really excited to introduce to you our next guest, who is Bruce Gray, sometimes known as the Gray Wizard. (laughs) And uh, I'm really excited to talk with Bruce. I've actually been wanting to get Bruce on the podcast for quite some time. Thank you. And it's happening, and here we are. So well, It's a pleasure to be here, and thank you very <laughs> much for the opportunity, Riley. Absolutely. No, my, my pleasure entirely. Uh, but uh, So, Bruce, I mean, you have a long history in the industry. I do. I've been as, around a long time. Yeah. I'm mean, as a shooter, mm-hmm. as a law enforcement officer, mm-hmm. uh, as, as, as a master gunsmith, you know, making some cool stuff. And so, you're the founder of Gray Guns, mm-hmm. and you know why don't you just kind of give us a thirty second or minute rundown of who Bruce Gray is, and who Gray Guns is, and, and, and we'll kind of from there we'll we'll see where it takes us. Oh, I appreciate again, Riley, the opportunity to kind of tell our story. Uh, yeah. I don't normally try to make things about me because I'm surrounded by people that make me look good. But the yeah. reality is is that when I started 46 years ago as a teenager, uh, I failed statistics in college a couple of times. And my wife Roden jokes that a, a guy with an IQ of 180, you know, it's wasted on somebody that can't, you know, balance a checkbook or, or count. And that's literally true. I, I just don't have math, you know, 1.0 installed very well. So naturally, I go yeah. into a field instead that's basically all math and logic. Uh, I've been able to make it work only because I have been around a long time and I've persisted. Uh, I've seen a lot of things come and go. 
but I've been very dedicated to the art of pistol smithing and to everything associated with the shooting industry for a long, long time. And so that's given me a perspective on things that's finally, at 63, allowed me to, to build a company that can and, and, and bring people together, yeah. some of whom are going to meet today, that, uh, that, that are at the top of their game, that can actually do things that I couldn't do 30 or 40 years ago, technically. Yeah. Uh, and that, with our association with Six Hour, which is an embarrassment of riches for us, uh, has given us a, a reach and, and, and a depth that we never otherwise would have had. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're able to do some things that are a little bit different, and it's, yeah. it's fun, largely just because I've been around long. I'm not really that smart, honestly. <laughs> it's just that uh, you know I've seen a lot of stuff, and when you see a lot of stuff, you start to kind of figure out what it is that you can do and what you can't do. You sure. know, there's a saying in engineering that it's much more important to know what you can't do than what you can try and get away with, and uh-huh. we're, we're learning that. Yeah. You know? So yeah. that's, that's, that's kind of where we came from. I mean, yeah, I, I was a shooter. I definitely have worked in law enforcement uh, in, in a fairly low level. I'm kind of like the lowest form of law enforcement life, uh, yeah. but, I'm, but I'm still a, a, a peace officer in the state of Oregon. And uh, I have perspective on other things just from a lot of life experience that does inform our work and informs my management of my company. Yeah, yeah. excellent. So how did Gray Guns come to be? Like, what, when was the first, I guess, I don't know, year of operation, like, or did, did it just sort of happen organically as well? Or is it something that you, you just kind of dabbled and got into things? Or did you just like one day say, I'm going to start this company and this is what we're going to do? No, it, it very much an organic and evolutionary thing. And very much uh, a, a series of, uh, I think, very happy happenstances mm-hmm. and coincidences that took place in my life that allowed me to actually uh, build the company and, and do what we're doing now. Yeah. I, I was the sole proprietor, pistol smith, itinerant shooter, guy that drav- traveled around the country in a 73 Chrysler and 8-top ramen because I had no money, mm-hmm. uh, building guns and having people angry with me that I was always late. You know, <laughs> I was the classic pistol smith of, yeah. the, of, the, of the 70s and 80s. Yeah. And coming in on kind of like the heels in the industry from the greats that came before, like Jim Hogue and Armand Swenson and uh, Frank Packmeyer and, and Al Capone, yeah. all these people that, that I idolized, uh, Gave me, again, some perspective on classic pistol smithing that kind of informed the work I did. And as an Ipsic shooter back in the day, uh, going back to like around 1976 or so when I started shooting, uh, again, I was able to get a lot of experience in competition that primarily became the focus of my work. But I, I was a lousy businessman and I was, I was goofy. I was flaky. I was doing too many things and not doing any of them well enough. And eventually, as I matured as a, as a man, I think I finally woke up one day and that was the moment uh-huh. and said, you know, if I'm really going to do this, let's 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 actually be smart about it. Yeah. And so I I finally kind of wrestled my own demons, uh, kind of made choices about what I was going to focus on, and became much more uh, intently focused on quality guns and on doing what I could do the best. Mm-hmm. And didn't try to do everything for everybody. Yeah. And that actually was the difference. I actually incorporated in uh, 2004. Before that, I was a sole proprietor uh, as Gray Guns, not incorporated. <laughs> Going back to uh, around 1983 or 84. Yeah. yeah. So I've been using that that name for a long time. Yeah. And, of course, I mean, really, you kind of coming up into the industry and onto the scene was sort of in that heyday, if you will, that be- those sure beginning was. days of particularly action pistol shooting. Yes. You know, as you had guys, you know, like Rob Latham mm-hmm. and, and Brian Enos and others, you know, that... Of course, they're yes. down the Arizona region of the country, but, you know, just... I shot with them, though. There's just a lot going on, you know, as guys were figuring things out. Yes, it was all on the table. Yeah. No, no, nothing was set in stone. You know, when, when I came into it, the, the beveled magwell had only been invented in 1966 by Jim Hoke. 
Yeah. All right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, so think about that. I mean, we came from a time when people shot stock guns with a few things done to them to try and fix problems. Uh, and some of the top pistol smiths were starting to get into kind of the more art gun kind of thing. Sure. But mostly it was utilitarian to solve problems and adapt the gun to a sport or to a discipline that it otherwise maybe hadn't been ideal for. Right. And that really kind of helped the industry figure out what a practical, serviceable pistol needs. I mean, look at what comes in a modern silver pistol today. And it's all directly, directly traceable and attributable back to the Ipsic shooters and the gunsmiths of the 80s. Yeah. All of it came from there. I mean, can you give me some examples? Like, what are some, like, common things that today we just totally take for, for granted? Well, let's start with a magwell. You yeah. know, it, now you, you wouldn't almost consider buying a service pistol that didn't have a mag funnel, in fact, that allowed you to easily and smoothly reload the darn thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, that did not exist, right. you know, literally. You, you look you, at a classic 1911A1, absolutely. you know, just like. Uh, 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 just try exactly. to jam it in there. <laughs> right. Or, or, you know, some of the, the, the first and second generation Smith Autos, a, a Browning High Power that we used to compete yeah. with, it, nobody even thought of it. Yeah. It just wasn't a thing. Uh, ergonomic controls that allowed you to function and handle the weapon well, but didn't get in the way when you were shooting, was just not really a thing. Yeah. You know, running a safety on a Browning High Power was, or, or a P35, if we will, sure. uh, it was, was a, basically kind of an act of faith. Yeah. Until we figure out how to extend them and make them work well. So if you look at the ergonomic package, you also look at just technically how uh, when we were shooting 1911s and putting 100,000 rounds through a gun, uh, and I literally watched my friend Mike Fitchman years ago literally take his Barstow barrel and all the parts out of his 1911 and throw the frame and slide away because they had so many cracks that he couldn't weld them up anymore, and then put them into a new one and keep shooting. You know, we, we learned what durability really was about. Mm. We learned how to make a gun that could actually run for the service life of the pistol and not go down on somebody when they're in the middle of a match or, God forbid, something worse. Whereas before, you know, if, 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 if somebody built a gun with a mean 8,000-round service life, that was considered acceptable. Now, uh, I have a, a 17-year-old girl, Ashlyn Green, that shoots for us. Mm-hmm. And Ashlyn sent us her gun, a P320, that we did for her about two and a half years ago that has 97,000 rounds through it at that point. My goodness. And it's still grouped you could hit the target. It was not great, but yeah. I mean, the rifle aid was starting to get pretty washed out. Yeah. Uh, and again, six hour, you know, makes top of the market barrels, but 97,000 rounds. Come on, give me a break, right? That's a lot. A lot. An awful lot. And in uh, two and a half years. Two, in two and a half years, yeah. She's, she's shooting, you know, 50 some thousand rounds a year. Wow. Had another gun, wow. too. So wow. if she, she's, and, you know, becoming really good, obviously. But point being that the gun was fine. It worked. We, put a few things in it, replaced all the springs. I think we threw a new sear and replaced it with an upgraded trigger from one of our more modern generations, mm-hmm. sent it back out to her, and she's still shooting it. You cannot do that with some of the firearms that were extant when I started back in 1975. Yeah. You know, it just, it's, not, it's just not happening. Yeah. No? Yeah. Wow. That's fascinating. Um, all right. So, so you got into shooting. You started gunsmithing, making mm-hmm. guns for people. Uh Incorporated in 2004. Mm-hmm. What was, I mean, I'm curious about kind of the, there must have been a, a turning point. I mean, you, you kind of talked about a turning point of sorts. You kind of said, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to do this and we're going to do it right. Got to, mm-hmm. you know, got to be more on top of things. Uh, how did you solve that? Did you bring somebody on that sort of helped you balance that out or did you change things you know, management wise with yourself? Uh, actually, I, I uh, yes, in a manner of speaking. Uh-huh. Uh, in the 80s, I, Traveled the country, shot matches, uh, was good but never great. I was never the best. I was always a good, solid shooter, though, uh, generally speaking. And built guns and lived a relatively subsistence hunter-gatherer lifestyle mm-hmm. uh, as an Ipsic shooter. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't really think about a future. I didn't really think about 
where I was going to go with things beyond that. Uh, yeah. Honestly, competition is an inherently narcissistic enterprise. You know that. Mm-hmm. And so people that are competitive do think of kind of me, but they, but they think of me in an externalized way, not necessarily about what's my future going to be. And I came to realize, honestly, that my reputation suffered because I wasn't always doing what I said I would do because I was trying to do too many things. And my focus wasn't really on a business. It was on having fun. Mm-hmm. And honesty and pursuing my personal aspirations, pursuing my dreams, but at the expense of, you know, just being able to get enough guns out, being able to take care of people. And honestly, uh, the thing that changed my life was meeting my wife, Rodent. Mm-hmm. You know, she was my late mother's hospice nurse. And mm-hmm. when my uh, mom passed away, uh, the last thing she said to me, looking up, uh, being the classic Jewish mother, was see what I had to do so you'd meet a nice girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, true story. And mm-hmm. my wife changed my life. She oh, wow. gave me a sense of ethics that uh, I think I always had, but didn't always follow, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I've always been a nice guy, but I wanted to be a good man. And she helped me to see that. She also brought me back to a relationship with God that has been incredibly important to me and helped me in, uh, create a foundation for my life uh, and a sense of permanency that I'd never had before that uh, allowed whatever brains the good Lord gave me to actually finally be put to some decent use. Mm-hmm. And that's really the story. I mean, honestly, yeah. that's really the story. We married in 2000, or pardon me, 1995, and my life trajectory completely changed since then. Yeah. A lot of people have known me a long time. If you talk to Rob Latham, he's got Bruce Gray stories going back to the early 80s, uh, yeah. uh, and they're hilarious, and they're true. <laughs> they're not always entirely flattering, frankly. And I just decided, let's do things right. Let's uh-huh. really, truly do things right. If I'm going to be in the industry, if I'm going to build guns, if I'm going to represent values that I believe in, then I have to manifest them. And that absolutely changed my attitude about things. Uh, I will die before I will let someone down. I will, I will literally die before I put out a product that isn't right. You know, I, I, we don't build junk. Mm-hmm. And we do what yeah. we say we're going to do. And that's, that's where they came from. Wow. That's awesome. It was and honest, I appreciate you being so frank and honest in your I, you know, it, story it, and your assessment of yourself. Well, it, 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 it's, it's just factual. Yeah. It's factual. I, I'm not doing myself or anyone a service if I'm going to uh, not tell the truth about where I came from and where I'm trying to go. Yeah. Uh, and okay. that's, that's the thing. The, the, the company we run uh, with my crew uh, is, is fundamentally based on some values and ethics that, uh, that, that I think should, that everyone should, should, should follow and everyone, right. everyone should hold. Now, it doesn't mean that we're perfect. We make all kinds of mistakes. We get to be human. Yeah. But... We do our absolute best, and I'll put up my crew, these guys here, against anyone in the industry for the quality of work they do and for their integrity. Yeah. And that just makes it pretty easy for me to be me. You yeah. know? I can say whatever I want. These are the guys actually doing the work. Yeah, yeah. of course. We have, we have Jordan and Keith, and we'll, we're actually yes. going to bring them on as part of this uh, here in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. In fact, I think what we ought to do is we ought to have Keith kind of walk us through some of the specifics with the guns that you brought to sort of show and tell. Absolutely. I Absolutely. think that'd be good. And then we'll, we'll have Jordan uh, share some more things about, uh, I think, your values, you know, where you guys are trying to go, what you're trying mm-hmm. to achieve, uh, what, you know, what's important to you guys as a company. I actually do want to ask you. you that same question. Though. I want to ask you, Gray, like, or Gray, <laughs> the Gray Wizard. Uh, I want to ask you, Bruce, um, what, what, what is, like, what is it that it keeps you ticking, you know, right now? Like, what's driving you right now? Uh, really good heart medications and an excellent cardiologist, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, after, after multiple heart yeah. attacks and a couple of strokes, I'm... Yeah. I'm I'm blessed to be here uh, yeah. and, and doing great. Actually, not complaining at all. Yeah. I'm actually really, really... You look good. Yeah, thank you. I feel great. Yeah, I feel that's great. That's good. Uh, thank you. But yeah. no, but what takes, actually what keeps me ticking again is looking at the world through uh, my, my wife's eyes, looking at the world through people that have been through a lot of stuff and deal with a lot of things way harder than building a gun. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. um, I, I have no reason not to succeed. You know, uh, yeah. and I've been blessed. I mean, again, we we have a relationship with Six Hour that is, as I said before, been an embarrassment of riches for us. And I have the best people that I could ever possibly ask for. Uh, that I'm surrounded by people that make me look good. So my job is actually relatively easy these days. Mm-hmm. You know, I get to design stuff and scrape on things and do a bunch of checkering when I feel like it. And uh, the rest, kind of, the magic happens because I've been able to coalesce some great people to mm-hmm. to support me. Yeah. Now, as far as gray guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking a little bit before we went live here with the recording, and you know, there, you mentioned something kind of the, to, to the effect that there's you, you have a vision, you have a place that you're trying to take gray guns. Yes. What what is that, and what do you see gray guns as being in the industry? Well, first and foremost, Riley, I I run gray guns with with Becky, my wife. Uh, her nickname is Rodent, by the way, because she's kind of small and brown and runs around the baseboards and is always busy, <laughs> um, but. The we run the business and and have a mentality uh, toward the business that it's really for the benefit of the employees and by extension the benefit of the customers because if we take care of our people then everything's going to go well. Uh, yeah. I could have retired after my first heart attack, uh, you know, quite a number of years ago, eleven years ago now. Uh, I would have been relatively poor. I wouldn't have had an awful lot to show for at that point. What it would have been what a thirty-five year career, um, but I I would have been okay. You know, my wife works in medicine. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. I made a conscious decision to get back into it and really, again, another turning point, double down on the commitment I'd already made to myself mm-hmm. to do things well and to try and build something. Uh, and it's because I looked at my employees, my, my crew, people that have been with me a long time now. There's no way in the world I could let them down. So that's, when you asked before, I, that's really the answer I should have given you about what really drives me. Yeah. What the, the mechanism by which I implement that vision for them is to utilize their skills as well as to see things within the market and specifically things within the six-hour family uh, that we can do something with to solve problems. I don't mean that to say that there's problems with SIG guns, but rather there's things that we can do with uh, a particular product like the P320 uh, to adapt it to a use that perhaps it wasn't originally designed for, uh, as an example, or to come up with uh, the P220 10-millimeter. Uh, which previously didn't exist until we did them as a custom job, yeah. uh, which was then co-opted by the factory and became uh, the 22010 and the 22010 millimeter legion. Uh, this is the kind of thing that we do in our relationship with SIG, uh, and that's our primary mover from the technical side. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where we're going with the company is to be able to produce a, a line of, of branded firearms uh, that, again, solve problems that fill specific niches at the top of the market to support the production items that Six Hour is producing, that those reflect. Yeah. And that's that's really where we're going as a company. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, it kind of is back to the, where we started with our conversation here about things, you know, like some of your, your old-time gunsmiths and, and some of yes. those developments that were made then. Absolutely. You know, Amazing. It, it, it all starts to filter down, that the guns we have today were influenced by the guns of the past. Absolutely. So I kind of see it as, you know, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but that what the work you're trying to do is 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 kind of that looking forward, you know, that future, not really futuristic per se, but just what are those things, those advancements, those mm-hmm. tweaks, those refinements right. that we can do that makes sense, help people become better shooters, help yep. them enjoy their guns more, right. and then that maybe starts trickling down, and then, you know, 10 years from now, we're looking back and going, ah, you know, it, that... It, it, exactly yeah. right. No, yeah. it, that's, that's exactly right. Uh, again, in the early days of IPSC, practical shooting, relatively early, I mean, I came in again in kind of the second or third wave, because, uh, you know, people had been doing some kind of 
proto-IPSC or combat shooting going back to the 50s. Mm -hmm. But when I came in in the mid-70s, about 1976 or so, I started really getting into it. Uh, Again, everything was on the table. There there weren't comp guns. There weren't red dot sights, realistically. There, There weren't a lot of things that we take for granted now, all of which really came from that uh, crucible of development that IPSC was intended always to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we're kind of in a postmodern era to some degree. Yeah. And one of the reasons that I'm really happy to be associated with Six Hour uh, in our own small way is because you have a company here uh, driven by people that are just maniacs about innovation and about pushing the envelope. You know, Ron Cohen is a freaking genius when it comes to saying this is where things need to go because it hasn't been done before. We can take something that's good and we can make it better. We can just go a whole different direction, like come up with a belt-fed 338 that weighs 21 pounds. I know, right? That's supersonic to 2,000 yards. Okay, great. You know, that's easy to shoot, by the way, right? Yeah. Right? Isn't that thing amazing? And it's like that didn't exist a couple years ago. So being associated with a company that's already at the cutting edge, uh, again, makes my job kind of easy because I'm seeing pathways where we can come in and, and I don't want to say backfill necessarily, but augment. And, and bring a little bit of value on yeah. the aftermarket side. Yeah. But there are still things that need to be invented. Yeah. You know, I mean, we again, we're somewhat postmodern because we can run uh, pistols with red dot optics. Uh, I had the distinction of being one of the first shooters, probably in North America, to run a red dot optic in competition. Uh, back in the old modified division, way back in, you know, like the 90s, there was a company called Firepoint. They sponsored me. Yep. I had a bunch of their sites. And, you know, nice bunch of people. But it was a long time ago, and the technology just wasn't there. Now we have stuff like the Romeo 2 that you can put on a gun, a 10 millimeter, mm. and bang the heck out of it. And there's still a, a sight on that slide, and it's still running. <laughs> you know, and that right. that wasn't happening even a couple of years ago. Realistically, you know that. So, yeah. so things are really advancing, but I think there's still new things that can be invented, and uh, we we're, we're looking for those opportunities. You know, yeah. I, I don't I don't have a crystal ball to say what the next thing's going to be. Right. Uh, being a pistol smith that worked on an existing gun, I tend to be a little derivative. But uh, we have some things up our sleeves that we're going to be coming out with that yeah. uh, I think are push the envelope a little bit more. Yeah. Like, you know, I think that you're, from my observation, you seem to be a pretty humble guy. And you, like, as you mentioned, you don't necessarily like to make yeah. yourself the focus of the talk. But I, I think it's worthy, you know, to give some props here. So what are some of the things that you guys have been a, really an integral part of developing you know, talking about things that kind of get developed oh, and then filter no. down to, like, the guns we're seeing on this floor right here below. Yeah. Like, well, what are some of those things? Well, I mean, thank you. I There was a lot of people doing a lot of stuff back in the late 70s and early 80s when I really started to kind of come on. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, it is a little unsettling for me to feel like I'm taking credit for things that in reality sure. were kind of co-developed or parallel uh, invented, if you will, parallel development yeah. uh, with a lot of people. But I do have some weird kind of distinctions, I guess, in that regard. Uh, when I started shooting, uh, recoil was an issue. If you're going to go fast, you got to have a flatter gun, and you got to have more rounds. So I was the first person, realistically, I think, to, to do 38 Super and to do a compensated pistol. Uh, I won a championship in Northern California in 1981 with a, uh, what would be considered pretty much a modern single-stack race gun. Uh, there are other people, again, that were doing things in parallel with that, but that original kind of early experience uh, definitely did change things. All of a sudden, overnight, everybody had to have a cop set and everything. <laughs> I mean, I talked to an Argentinian lounge singer at a hotel in Traverse City, Michigan, that told me about a compensator design he had on a napkin, all right? <laughs> so, I mean, everybody by the mid-'80s had a compensator, huh. uh, and, and it became a thing. Uh, again, the red dot sights, I, I may have been certainly one of the first to, to do that here with 
with a, a, a what was at least a, a somewhat viable product. Mm-hmm. You know, people making a really good effort at it. So there's a lot of things like that that uh, a lot of people were working on. It's just that because I was around a long time and because I reasonably smart, but also uh, wanted to compete and would much rather put a lot of effort into the equipment than actually go out and train so I could beat Rob Latham or Ryan Innes, <laughs> which I never did, uh, because they worked harder. Yeah, uh, sure. You know, I figured, well, let's just work on the technology and the guns instead. That was always my focus, actually. Yeah. I was a shooter because I really love shooting, but I was a gunsmith because I'm passionate about trying to invent stuff and make things. Yeah. Uh, so those are just a couple of examples of things that I had the pleasure of being involved with early on. Mm. There was a company called Devel Incorporated. Uh, she probably heard of. Yeah. They were, you know, one of the first of the kind of higher end boutique gunsmiths mm-hmm. that build a, a finished product for customers mm-hmm. uh, out of uh, Ohio. Uh, Charlie Kelsey ran the company. He was a maniac. God, God rest his soul. He's since passed away. Um, working there, they brought me in because I was, again, the guy that had experience with 38 Super Comp Guns, and they had something called the Gammon that they were producing as basically a, a, a ready to go race gun. Mm-hmm. It was something that was very revolutionary for the time. I feel like I remember seeing that in. Ain't, well, at this time, ancient like guns and ammo magazine or something. I just probably yeah. I feel like I remember seeing that somewhere in in print. You know. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. American Handgunner, uh, yeah. Cameron Hopkins did articles sure. on them. Uh, yeah, that, that could be it. You know, yeah. I know uh, yeah. uh, Wayne Novak. Uh, you know, for, sure. from the site company yeah. and the great pistol smith yeah. uh, has a big collection of Devels. Actually, he's got oh. uh, he, he collects them. Oh. Uh, and so these guns are still around. Yeah, but they were they were pretty pioneering, and yeah. I guess. At the time, you know, I'm sitting here checkering a frame for something that, that was going to go to one of our sponsor shooters. I, I didn't think about what I was doing exactly. I, I knew we were kind of innovating a little bit, but it was hard to really see how far that might potentially go. Mm. Uh, the 10 millimeter is an interesting question because yeah. if you told me 15 years ago that because uh, we started doing P220s and 10 millimeter as a custom item, uh, you know, on the stainless frame versions, mm. that 10 millimeter would become so important that 6R would sell more P220s in 10mm than in 45. I would have said you were nuts. Mm. You know, I mean, this was like the heyday of the P-series pistol. How yeah. in the world could that happen? And 10mm had already had its arc of trajectory. You know, I mean, yeah. it had already kind of ascended and kind of gone somewhere. Right. And then people were saying, I don't think I need 250 power factor in my life. <laughs> uh, and, you know, we'll go back to a 45 or a 40 or a 9. Right. And now it seems like you go from 9 to 10. And there's not a lot of numbers in between anymore, right? <laughs> and again, so this is something that I wouldn't have foreseen myself. Yeah. I think when people, when people develop things and, and come up with good ideas, very often, and certainly true in my case, they don't really have that big crystal ball vision of saying, this is going to go someplace really wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and years from now, they'll build a, a giant statue to me uh, in my honor. It, it, it doesn't work that way. And, and that's... So I, I think I'm very righteously humble because in reality, so many people in this industry have done so many brilliant things. And when I think of the real innovators as pistolists, I think of people like Jim Boland, you know, my dear, you know, late friend uh, that I shared a shop with for years, who was the most innovative person in our industry ever in terms of just being able to come up with amazing things to make a 1911 run. Uh, there's a bunch of people like that out there that I think reserve everybody as much credit or more. Yeah. Well, you just threw out one name. Who yep. are some of the other people that have personally helped you along? Well, that's a really excellent question. Uh, a lot of them are shooters that came to me with ideas or with problems. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Mike Dalton, for instance, from the Southwest Pistol League, dear friend of mine uh, that I shot with in the early 80s. Uh, Mickey Fowler, uh, his shooting partner, is still a very dear friend of mine today. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are guys that came to me and said, can you make this more accurate? You know, I've got a sharp edge here that's hurting me, this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the guys that really most of the ideas came from. Mm. Trying to figure out a way to solve problems for shooters. So in that sense, there's hundreds. 
you know, in terms of people within the industry, uh, again, Jim Boland was a huge mentor of mine. Uh, Don Nygord, uh, mm-hmm. who is a, was a brilliant pistol smith, also has since passed away, mm-hmm. uh, and a great Olympic-level uh, ISU-style shooter, mm-hmm. taught me a lot about just how to run a gun in a precision sense and about what accuracy really was. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that, I could build a good gun. Getting to know him, I, I built tremendous guns, frankly, mm-hmm. you know, because I understood what it took. Yeah. To actually be that precise, that meticulous. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, huge mentors. Uh, any pistol smith out there that I ever came in contact with, I'm sure I learned something from. You know, and and I, again, because I've been around so long, I, by osmosis, I picked up little things here and there, and uh, most of it stuck. You know. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> We're glad about that. Thank you. So, I think uh, at this time, I'd like to bring on. Well, which yeah, let's bring on Keith. Let's bring Keith on. Uh, your chief. Gunsmith. Yep. Right. Keith is our director of gunsmithing. Yep. And let's phenomenal bring, guy. Let's bring Keith on. He's over there chatting with Hannah. Okay. And let's bring some of the guns over here and let's talk about some of the specifics of these. Uh, hey, Jordan, would you mind bringing those the guns over? Yeah. All right. So we'll we'll talk to Jordan here in just a minute. We only have the three mics though. So. Okay. I can uh, scoot over a little bit. Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah thank yeah. you. Yeah. And then we'll let uh, Keith kind of sneak hey, in there a little bit. <clears throat> I think I may be able to even. Scooch just a touch. Okay. All righty. So we've got mm-hmm. Keith Hosey. Mm-hmm. He's right here with us, your director of gunsmithing mm-hmm. at Grey Guns. Uh, Keith, go ahead and say hello. Hi, guys. We'll get you dialed mm-hmm. in here. Let's try that again. Hello. Yep, that's better. So awesome. Keith, uh, you know, we've been talking with Bruce here for a little bit, kind of about background of the company, the founding of things, and a lot of uh, kind of historical type, uh, you know, just kind of how, how we got to where we are today with a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to kind of hear just real quick, Keith, like what's your background and how did you get started and, and also how did you wind up with, with <laughs> Bruce here? <laughs> well, um, let's see, going back to 2010, 2011, I was uh, doing a welding program at a junior college. Uh, within that welding program, I learned how to TIG weld, which I really liked. I didn't want to go out into the oil industry down in Bakersfield, California. Right. Uh, that just didn't sound appealing. <laughs> um, but within that, I had to take a machining class. And in that machining class, I saw what I could actually do with different slides. or uh, it, it showed that how guns were made. Yeah. And so I thought, wouldn't it be awesome if I could find a program where I could become a gunsmith? Uh. Uh, luckily, California has one of the best gunsmithing mm-hmm. programs in the country, um, Lassen Community College and Susanville. Yeah. Uh, so I went up there, took a two-year program, and got my associate's degree in both firearms repair and general gunsmithing. Cool. Um, so after that, I asked my brother, who's also a big gun enthusiast, where should I apply? And uh, <laughs> he said, well, I got some guns worked on by Bruce Gray one time, and he's probably <laughs> one of the best in the industry for SIGs. <laughs> so I sent him an email and came up and started working for him in 2016. Wow. And here, three, four years later, you're director of gunsmithing. <laughs> That's yep. quite a trajectory, young man. <laughs> uh, um, and so coming in, I was working on the different production gunsmithing, um, saw that there were some lapses and things. Um, wait times probably weren't the best, yep. um, but Bruce gave me the power and the, the, to oversee everything and kind of streamline everything and get the efficiencies to where they need to be mm. um, and get our wait times really, really qu- fast turnaround times yeah. uh, for the customers. And, and a higher level of quality than we were producing doing things in our previous methods. If mm. I could just interject. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Keith has a, a number of superpowers, but one of the things I value him most for, besides his heart and, the, and sharing our values, is that uh, he's a tremendous strategic thinker. Yeah. He's disciplined, 
He has rigor in what he does. He's yeah. organized. And so when he came in, he looked at the somewhat managed chaos that I was barely able to kind of hang on to, and, and, and I'm flattering myself to even say that. Uh, <laughs> and he created systems for everything. Uh. You know, one of my dreams has been that I'll wake up that one day and everything will be where it's supposed to be, and my bench <laughs> is clean, and the next job is waiting there. Uh, and that day is almost ready to happen because yeah. of Keith. Uh, he, he's revolutionized our business. He's the best there is. Absolutely the best That's there is. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, do you, how do you feel, like, hearing that and being here? I mean, in such a short... I mean, there's guys that work in this industry for a long time to get to where you're doing what you're doing. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's guys that are still cutting their teeth on doing the most probably menial of tasks, you know. So, I mean, how, do you, how does that make you feel? Uh, I feel honored to be uh, with Grey Guns and working under Bruce Gray. Yeah. Um, getting to not only see the production side, which is one thing, like, that's the part that probably keeps the lights on is the production gunsmithing is not the most glamorous job. Yeah. But um, sure. we make the customers happy with that. Yeah, and absolutely. then as well as doing some of the custom stuff, say like this 210 um, yeah. and the 320, um, that's broadening my horizons in that I'm allowed to both gunsmith sometimes and go in on the office, pull up the computer and start learning how to use the CAD CAM software that we have mm-hmm. um, and it, it's just amazing. I couldn't yeah. ask for a better company to work with. That's awesome. Well, man. I, again, very humble guy. Not everybody can do this work. Yeah. And you know that. You've seen that because you've yeah. seen everything there is to see in the industry by now. Maybe not everything. Well, yeah. you've seen a lot of stuff. I've seen a lot. <laughs> right. And and so, you know, there are people that have different capabilities. And, yeah. you know, people rise and fall to those levels to, yeah. to some degree. You know, we the, the, the Lord, I think, creates us to, to be able to do different things, you know, really, really well, but not everything well. Yeah. Again, Keith has some amazing superpowers. He's very, very strong in organization. He's very strong on understanding the mechanics of things. And he's extremely talented with his hands. You know, he can take the vision, he can see what the metal is, and he can actually make something out of it. Not everybody can do that. And I've worked with probably a couple hundred different gunsmiths over the years in various different uh, training programs. I taught gunsmithing at RIT, uh, consulted with a lot of people, met a lot of armorers everywhere. There's a handful of people that have it, and Keith has it. That's he, awesome. has, he has the thing. That's awesome. Not everybody has that thing. He does. And that's why he's here. Cool. And I'm very blessed that he took a shot with us, you know. <laughs> and it's, 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 it's been great. That's great. Let's talk about what we have here on the table here. Uh, a couple new things you guys are really excited about mm-hmm. introducing here at SHOT Show. Of course, we saw these out at the uh, six-hour uh, range day. Yep. And uh, so what I have here first is a P320. And I know some viewing and listening are going to be really excited to learn that, you know, a 10-millimeter mm-hmm. is coming to the P320 yep. platform. And that is really exciting. Thank you. I mean... I mean, I'm sure there's some people who are like, well, you know, can that be done? You know, how's that going to be done? How's that going to work? Uh, I mean, you've had to take something that didn't exist. You you weren't handed something from SIG that was like, hey, we made this, and so, like, you know, go tweak it, make it better. Like, right. you, you've had to build this from the ground up. Yeah, we did. Um, it's I, I'm not a degreed engineer, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll preface that for sure. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm never going to step out of my lane and say that I can sit down and engineer things uh, the way uh, the brilliant people that work for this company can. Uh, so we are very reliant on people that can put numbers to the things we can invent and tell us why the things we're doing work. Yeah. Okay. But we can inform that process in a practical way. Mm-hmm. And so in looking at the P320 in a practical context, uh, from our experience as gunsmiths and gunmakers, uh, we pretty much knew where everything had to go. Mm-hmm. It's taken us a while. We, we modified a 45 slide about four and a half years ago 
uh, just to give us kind of a baseline. And I shot it at the time a little bit. I was kind of afraid to. And uh, did a few other things. And then because of bandwidth issues and such, we kind of let it lapse for a while. Uh-huh. But we always knew that eventually uh, Phil Strader and his team were going to do a, a 10 millimeter production gun uh-huh. uh, as, as, a, as a factory item. Uh, again, following very much in the model of, say, the P3 2010 millimeter or 2.2010 millimeter right. we did. Uh, right. We figured that it made sense for us to pioneer that. That gives us basically a, a, an upmarket kind of uh, top of the market, semi-custom boutique kind of firearm that Keith and his crew can can produce uh, to solve that problem, but also kind of pave the way and create excitement and create buzz, uh, and also prove the concept right. for the pistol, for the optic, which is crucial, yep. which we'll talk about for the grip module and for yep. the geometry, uh, and to prove to people that it's actually going to be durable. One of the things we didn't want our original 220 10 owners to do uh, was to become an expensive toy. Yeah. Uh, this won't be. And from there, I'll kick it over to Keith. Yeah. So go over the, the key features of this P320 10 millimeter. You know, so obviously, it's a you know, new slide and barrel. You know, there's so, a lot of things you had to do to make that work. Yep. Yeah, so on the 320, mm-hmm. we have a massive uh, slide. I yeah. believe it weighs at 16 and a half it, ounces. Right now, it does, yeah. It's, it's basically chunky. about as much as a P365 by itself, right? Yeah, right. so Pretty it does close. look big, but um, we put a, <laughs> uh, a Barstow barrel in it. Huh? We have the guys over at Barstow helping us out with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I what, I can't remember the, uh, the recoil spring. The uh, it, that, that recoil spring is one actually adapted from the factory P220 10mm system ah. uh, that uh, Matthew Taylor and his team came up with uh, for that project going back gotcha. a few years ago. Gotcha. Yep, cool. and then everything else in the guts is going to be the same as uh, any of our standard P320 action work. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, what you got you have the uh, newer um, uh, trigger on there with the over travel adjustment, right? Yeah. So this has the hybrid trigger, which is um, kind of the best of both worlds mm-hmm. in the straight versus curve. Yeah. Um, I actually prefer it highly over the straight. I'm not a big straight yeah. trigger person. Yeah. yeah. Um, Absolutely. So I'll just say, I mean, my own personal journey from kind of a curve trigger to a straight trigger. Uh, which has been in the just last few years, it occurred because, you know, I, I was never as big a fan of the really aggressively curved trigger right. that is, you know, a little more common on SIG pistols and or any pistol that's a DASA action. Um, right. I started moving over to the straight trigger, and I found I really like the straight trigger. I put a straight trigger on dang near everything. But handling that, that kind of happy medium, that's got me intrigued. Yeah, so yeah. for me, it, it, it allows you to be more tactile on the trigger, so you know kind of where your finger is placed on the trigger face yeah. um, compared to just kind of grabbing it and kind of guessing on a straight and in not having any form of reference of where your finger's placed. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, of course, one thing is that is for sure uh, yeah, the kind of the same across a lot of these different trigger designs that we see uh, that you guys put out mm-hmm. uh, is that we have a flat face. Okay, mm-hmm. we're talk, you know, different than the, the profile that's, you know, either right. flat or curved, but that, that face, a lot of people, I think, don't quite understand why I think that's relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, it, now, just feel free to jump in and say, you know, if I say something wrong, but the way I, I think of it, the way I see it is as I'm, as I'm shooting and as I'm, particularly when I'm like really trying to feel the trigger, mm-hmm. it helps me to recognize, am I applying pressure on the face of the trigger as opposed to kind of hooking it a little bit, pulling Side and loading. pushing it, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. That That's, to me, what the beauty of a flat face trigger does. Uh, I mean, is there anything else you'd add to that? Uh, from my perspective, uh, when I was doing uh, Olympic program type stuff, uh, shooting free pistol, air pistol, everybody was running straight triggers. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I questioned it at the time. And the theory 
presented to me going back, you know, 20 some years ago, uh, was simply that it was very resistant to bad inputs compared to a curve trigger, again, that locked you into a set position and therefore allowed you to put side load up, down, left, right from right. a set position on the gun. Right. A flat trigger, again, gives you that sense that, yeah, you've got plenty of pressure uh, contact between the pad of your finger and the trigger, but it's pretty resistant to, to misplacement and, and, and maybe yeah. kind of snatching at it and such. Yeah. Uh, we spent a lot of time with the hybrid trigger. Uh, and actually, I should say, this is the first trigger profile we came out with for the P320 going back almost five years ago in our initial run of custom triggers for these yeah. guns. Uh, we worked on it to come up with something that if we snatched at the trigger really hard and fast, the sight still didn't move much. And we played with profiles, and we came up with something that would do that. It's very much like with the next module we designed for SIG. We just spent a lot of time working on a, a module that was resistant to bad inputs and allowed the sights to drag, go back, and stop. And that's really the organic shape that came out of that effort. It wasn't just, this looks cool, and I can sell it. It's oh. that this works really well, and I, I hope people will appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, and a little bit of a difference there. Yeah. You know? and, ah, it, and, and And I think it's been very successful. Cool. You know? All right, so... And we got the uh, now. This is built on a forty-five uh, grip module. For for the time being, it is yes, right, because we're millimeter. we're still working on a custom grip module. Oh, I want to say custom, uh, you know, a Graygun grip module that actually does the job we want it to do. Mm. You know, interesting. And now I know that one th can qu kind of question, or even almost like a concern that some might wonder is like, and now it's, again, it sounds like you're working on something kind of custom or semi-custom. Mm -hmm. But I know that some people would probably see this and be like, well, it's really hard to get a hold of a forty-five grip module right these days you know like they, they seem to be getting more scarce all the time they are <laughs> i think i think riley that that problem is going to be solved on a number of fronts and we've talked with the folks at sig and we know that they're working on something yeah uh and and beyond that i, I prefer not to disclose too much again sure. because that, that's really a story they need to tell yeah uh we're certainly working on something as well that's cool uh we have some other friends that have been doing some aftermarket grip modules uh you're probably familiar with uh yuri mirza uh and his grip module huh? for the p320 great yes. guy phenomenal yeah. guy uh his grip module is a little uh, specialized and a little adapted mm -hmm. uh, to his particular application, but he's got some really good ideas. And so yeah. we've been consulting with them and some other people. So in other words, what you're saying is we, we can expect at some point to see a 10-millimeter P320 with a grip module that is still somewhat spelt, if you will. You know, I mean, is that, oh, is that yes. a shame? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Because uh, I know a lot of people will pick up a 45 grip module and be like, ooh, it kind of feels a little bit you know, yeah. big for their particular hands. Yeah. it's uh, No, I mean, I, in defense of SIG, though, uh, if I may, this, yeah. this this grip module here, I've got, you know, munchkin fingers. I've got relatively small hands. I'm, I'm similar, and, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> no, like yeah. My, for my height, too, I'm 6'3", you know, like, my uh, fingers are kind of short and stubby. Actually, yeah, they actually, well, no offense, See? but they kind of are. They kind of are, um, right? Well, well I'm 5'11". <laughs> yeah, I used to say I was 6 feet until somebody actually measured me. Um, and and yet, with this 45 grip module, I can still get a decent purchase on the trigger. Uh -huh. I can still run the gun. Uh, there's nothing about this that yeah. would cause the pistol to index funny. Uh, it's actually really comfortable. Yeah. The X module I don't is disagree, by the way. A little, thank you. The, yeah. the, the X module is a little blockier, mm -hmm. uh, and it needed to be because when we designed it, it was for competition, and we needed to be able to incorporate the biggest magwell we could and still have ergonomics that actually uh, met or exceeded what our competition was beating us with. Yeah. Uh, our concern for the 10 millimeter and for other things that will fall on from that uh, is that we want to have a module that is really, really shootable uh, and actually which justifies... Uh, you know, the value-added proposition we're actually asking people to pay for. It. We're going to build a top-of-the-market high-grade gun on the P320 system. Mm. And so it's going to be a really nice module. That's awesome, yeah. man. Mm. Glad Thank to you. hear that. Now, uh, on this uh, P320, or, yeah, 320, we've got the Romeo 2. 
Yes. Which has been, I mean, people have kind of heard some things about Romeo mm-hmm. 2. In fact, even I've seen some mm-hmm. things like a year ago. Right. Uh, and we were just talking with a fellow from the Electro Optics Division, yes. uh, Andy, about the Romeo 2. And you got that mated here on the 320 10-millimeter slide. That's, That's right. pretty exciting to see. So tell us a little bit about this. Keith, would you speak to that? Yep. So um, what Andy was telling us was this: uh, the Romeo 2 is a um, military-grade optic that what they wanted to do is uh, be able to drop it from the six feet, the shoulder yep. height, and uh, have it survive an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, these are built in Oregon, and they yep. uh, accomplished that with this Romeo 2. Yeah. I'll tell you, this thing is built like a tank. It is. I mean, looking at it, uh, it, it is. It's it, but it's got a very great profile. It's not unnecessarily. It's not overly large. I no. can see that there's some really good, you know, thought process here with the integrated rear notch. It even mm-hmm. looks like some yeah dots. Yes, absolutely. Know? So clearly, this is intended that we can we can run some sort of you know whatever appropriate height uh, front mm-hmm. sight there and co-witness it there with the rear notch on the rear and it is a really rugged yeah i mean they give you a real sight optic. versus just kind of an afterthought that almost barely works yeah yeah know? side loading battery tray so that's that's cool to see fantastic as well. yeah absolutely fantastic which you'd have to have for a military grade yeah uh, or law enforcement grade yeah. sight yeah and absolutely. of course we learned that this is waterproof yep yeah which is yep. also really uh, up to two atmospheres, I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I believe Andy was saying. Yeah, that is so. that's really impressive. It's a great looking optic. I'm excited to see these eventually get out, which yep. we learned to be yeah, pretty soon. Uh, yes, uh, I can't speak for Sig, right. but I, I'm sure by the middle of the year people are yep. going to have these. Uh, our our plan is to be able to offer this site because it is robust enough to really take what and, a 10 millimeter puts and out. That, that's where this has got to go. Yeah. That's where this has got to go. Exactly. I'm going to put a, a dot on this 10 millimeter. Right. It's got to be a rugged dot. And here's the thing, you know, a 10 millimeter Norma, uh, full power round is a long distance, very, very powerful, very capable round. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, being on duty as a, a part-time sheriff's deputy in Eastern Oregon, I carried a 10 millimeter, one of the two twenties I built mm-hmm. on duty for a couple of years because Realistically, some of the shots I had to take were trying to humanely dispatch a wounded elk that was trying to cross the John Day River in winter that had been hit by a car mm. from 80 yards away over ice. You know, this kind of oh, thing, wow. which, which I've done. Wow. Uh, sadly, because it's one of the least favorite things I ever, sure, I ever sure. had to do. Sure. But the point being that if you have a site that actually can exploit that capability, mm-hmm. now with the right bullet weight, with the right setup, and with the right... Keep, you know the right skills. You know yeah. you can hit something in 150 yards with this if you had to. Oh yeah. I mean it's it's yeah. it, it makes it a serious tool. Yeah. Rather a, than a dot expands uh, the use and capabilities of a pistol. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And when you have a caliber like this that has that capability yeah. and an accuracy potential of this yeah. gun that'll rival anything, because yeah. uh, these things are you know are going to shoot phenomenally yeah. well. Uh, yeah, you could be somebody with it. I'll tell you, it wasn't until I got into mm-hmm. three gun competing that I I had never really. I mean I plinked around with shooting at longer distances with a pistol before, but it was not something I had tried to do particularly, you know, super precisely or <laughs> under pressure. Right. And then I, you know, I remember one of my first three-gun competitions, you know, we had some steel targets at 70, 80, 90, 100 yards, and iron sights, you know, and I got the job done, but I remember, you know, I, I learned some stuff trying to hit some further out uh, yeah. targets that way. Right. Then I started shooting, uh, I put a dot on my, on my 320X5, Start shooting open division three gun, uh, two almost well, a year and a half or so mm-hmm. ago, and then all of a sudden, like hitting those still targets out at 80, 90 yards, like uh, you know, easy, you know, going yeah. one for one, right. one for one, one, you know, just right, really, really a, a, a cool uh, you know technology to see coming to pistols more and more. It's becoming more and more a thing. Now we have next here to the uh, ten millimeter three twenty. Uh, this, of course, uh, 
I was really, really thrilled to see this at the range the other day. Thank you. Uh, the so are we because we busted our butts <laughs> trying to get it ready. <laughs> what did we go through to get that done? Uh, many countless nights. Many yeah. countless sleepless, late, nights. sleepless <laughs> nights. Oh, my word. Now, we got the P210 here, which uh, right. SIG has resurrected over the last couple of years. And it's a fantastic platform. It's a beautiful gun. It's really the, the, the handgun it? that SIG uh, really, I mean, people think, they hear SIG and they think P226, P229. Sure, of course. Of course. But really, this is kind this of is what a, this is actually it all. Absolutely. Yeah. So P two ten created in nineteen forty nine. It's a long time ago. Mm-hmm. You know, and people will say, "Oh, it looks like a CZ." Well, it was actually around for a oh. couple of decades before <laughs> right. the CZ seventy five exactly. came to be. So exactly. So definitely, you know, really the more accurate statement would be this: the CZ looks like a P two ten. You know, somewhat right. resembles it then. Uh, yeah, exactly. The, the this, this was the progenitor of anything with the outside frame rails uh, right. and the pedal lockup system and the, you know, kind of end block uh, fire control system that came from, you know, the French 1935A, you know, yeah. basically. Yeah. Uh, I'm starting to sound like Ian from Forgotten Weapons now, probably, <laughs> uh, who we talked to yesterday about this. But, uh, uh, but the, yeah, the reality is that this was the progenitor of that entire family of, of fire, yeah. you know, the, the original version of this. And then uh, our friend Tim Butler uh, and his team uh, here at Six Hour, uh, took the, the 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 brilliant European German gun uh, and found a way to democratize it to make it affordable and accessible for the American market mm. uh, using newer manufacturing processes. We don't want to say MEM because people get freaked out by that, but it's got some of the best MEM I've ever seen in this uh, in the original version and created a a gun that for a thousand bucks or so will shoot an inch at fifty yards. I mean, come on, that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. They're, these things are nuts. I mean, of, yeah, like, they're, they're 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 incredible. People get excited when a rifle shoots an inch at 100 yards or less. Yeah, this is but, approaching but, rifle te- territory. Well, well, an inch at 50. Did I say 100? I didn't you mean said, to say. No, I, okay, I just used okay, that as a comparison. Okay. Like, no, yeah, no, the, absolutely. The standard inch at 100. Well, look. And here you're shooting an inch at 50. As a, as a Bianchi shooter yeah. as, and as a precision shooter, doing some bullseye and stuff back in the day, PPC, building guns for those guys, working with some of the greats, uh, you, know, that the, you know, Mickey Fowler, who won Bianchi Cup early on, one of the greatest offhand shooters I ever saw. Uh, these are guys that could exploit a gun that could shoot an inch at 50. Yeah. And that was the gold. No, that was the platinum standard. Gold standard was two. So you can get an inch and a half, you're doing great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most people couldn't do it. Oh, sure. Uh, with enormous amounts of expense and effort and custom barrels and multiple barrels in and out of guns and fine-tuning and fitting and working with low development. And so I take this thing and I put some factory V-crowns in it. And uh, with our friend Tim from product management, uh, Shot one of the prototypes and uh, just kind of off a bench out at uh, Six Hour Academy. Got about two inches just screwing around with like weird light and I didn't have my shooting glasses on. Wow. All right. So, you Unreal. know, what, yeah, what can you say yeah. about that? Phenomenal gun. Now, I mean, Keith, I can't say enough about Keith, it. Keith, tell us, uh, you know, about what you guys have done. I mean, this, you won't see this on six shelves. So uh, tell us about <laughs> this yet. particular P210. So we sat down with our, our friend Joe Dawson with Bruiser Industries, mm-hmm. and he loves this gun. And he said, what can we do to modernize it and bring it up to a, uh, a duty standard gun? Um, the main thing he wanted was a rail. So that we right. started with yeah. a and we definitely see an it. accessory rail that we're, we got the X300 welded on there. On there and, right. yeah. um, then we moved to the controls. We have, they're kind of 1911 style um, slide release and a safety lever. Mm-hmm. Um, they give you a little bit more leverage. They're serrated and rounded off, so it's not as sharp. Yeah. Um, we stuck in a flat trigger. Yep. It's a little yep. bit different profile yep. there. Mm-hmm. An extended mag release, as well as an integrated uh, magwell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then we a, go. And a plus two base pad on top of it that Jordan Castro came up with. 
Yeah, I mean, look at that. And it's a great look. And uh, I'll tell you that, Magwell is, I mean, fantastic for a P210 that, again, was designed in the era where they weren't thinking about Magwells. They, they weren't thinking about loading at, at all. all. Nope. So uh, now tell me about, so a little bit more about the trigger, Keith. I, this thing has, already the P210 is a great trigger, but you guys made it better. Took it right. up a whole so, um, other level. Bruce has a way with triggers. Um, <laughs> he was able to look at it and figure <laughs> we could get more out of this trigger. So we designed the trigger and hammer as a, a pair um, to take out some of that, the take up in the gun, as well as shorting up the reset. Mm. Yep. So, so our, our, our net reset is about uh, half, maybe real close to half. And I, honestly, I haven't measured it, you know, with, with, with an indicator yet. Um, but it's, it's, it's short. Yeah. Uh, it, it takes a phenomenal trigger for individual shots and makes it into a phenomenal trigger that you can squirt with if you need to. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I, I used to shoot a P210 back in the 80s a little bit. I've always shot weird stuff <laughs> and gave one a try. And uh, I just found that I couldn't shoot more than about a 20 split with it because it did, the reset was just too long and it would stall sure. on the reset because the reset was too soft. Sure. So we've looked very hard at what we could do and critically to, to again, make the trigger capable for anybody that wanted to shoot as fast as they could. Yeah. Joe Dawson, of course, uh, you know, a champion level uh, shooter in his own right, uh, you know, just retired from Naval Special Warfare, knows how to run a gun. Yeah. And he really demanded a, a trigger that would take it next level. Yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you, I mean, I went right from your booth trying this out, mm -hmm. checking the reset like you were talking about. I mean, I would be surprised if it isn't at least half of a reduced uh, reset travel. Uh, went right up to the range and shot the standard P210 and was like, that feels like a mile long after I worked this one about 50 times. <laughs> and, and again, they're, they're still good. And for what the 210 is for, and I think for the folks that, that are purchasing that gun from 6R today, uh, it, it is essentially uh, a, a, a high-end target pistol that, that yeah. people can actually really afford. Yeah. Uh, it yes. does everything I would want a target pistol to yeah. do. So there's no criticism of the gun. Oh, just yeah. that we see well, that again, for our application, more, we, there's more we can do. Well, that's a great point because in a more target-oriented world, it yeah. reset, really not that big a deal. Absolutely. You but know, it, you're sh shooting slower, but you start you know, building something that somebody might actually consider right. as a more of a defensive gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, or action shooting of some sort, right. then, then right. that starts to become more critical. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. And it looks great. You got. I don't know if you have it here, but I also saw that you had a Romeo Zero mounted onto a P210. Yes, we do. And that was awesome. Yes. <laughs> uh, we, we, we did that because uh, our friend Mr. Nichols at Electro Optics in particular had an interest in seeing how that would kind of fit up. He provided a couple for us. And uh, we, we look at how it fits, and, and it, it actually works well we just yeah we, we pretty much at this point kind of whacked the rear side off created a space and just kind of stuck it yeah. on uh well, and it and it and it and it's fine you, you uh, wouldn't think about putting a dot on a p210 because it's already so narrow the slide right and the romeo zero makes that possible it does it's 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 small it's compact it's the right width uh and and the the, the screws located in such a place where we have space within the slide to be able to do it now going beyond that though uh the 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 210 uh a carry Mm -hmm. uh, has a different slide, pro slide profile that actually uh, is much more amenable to be able to run an optic. Yeah. Uh, and that was something that uh, I think was a, a very clever idea uh, that uh, uh, Steve Gilchrist came up with along oh. with uh, Mr. Butler and other people working on that product. Uh, so I think that, that you'll see in that uh, in the future, I'm sure you're going to see a, a sight plate and a capability to be able to run things on and off uh, yeah. as they further develop that. Awesome. And that may be a slide profile that we'll be interested in working with uh, as we build... Uh, Grey Guns branded versions of that gun with them. Yeah. 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 Of course, you got to do things in like Grey Guns Grey color. 
Yep. And whatnot, right? So, right. what a beautiful gun uh, and a great shooter. I'm sure. I, well, th- I'm thanks to these guys. So I got to talk uh, about Keith and, and, and Jordan from yep. the capabilities of, of of what they were able to do. They they created CAD model files and mm. uh, and and made it possible to manufacture all these parts in a very very short period of time. Uh, and our machinist Dave Crozier, uh, who's brilliant, he's the best there is. Uh, everything in one shot. It was amazing. Yeah, so we could have guns here to do what we want to do. Kind of swinging for the fences, but we got it all done. All these components will be uh, produced. Uh, They'll be expensive, not going to lie. Sure. But they will be available for people that want to be able to take their Factory 210 or 10-210A, because these also fit on the German Legend, and be able to uh, get this performance out of it uh, completely drop-in. You know, know, no... No fitting, no fuss, no muss. Yeah. Uh, the only thing with the magwell is that there's a little bit with that, but it's it's, it's no big deal. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. These guys did a, a brilliant job with it. I'm really proud of my, my guys. Great work, Keith. Thank yeah. you. Do you want to say anything more before I let you go and bring um, Jordan on for a moment? Just a few other things. We did add the 10.8 uh, sights on this. And, um, yeah. Oh, the, yes. The name of this gun is going to be the P210 Bruiser, and we hope right. to be able to um, get the guns in, build the guns up, and have ready-built guns That's here right. this year sometime. That's right. Yeah, that way, yes. keep wait times low. People can. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're working with Hilton on uh, on the rear sight mm-hmm. uh, and a couple other little projects with them, and uh, I think it's it's very important to, it's for us to profile. be able to kind of kind of raise him up because yeah, he, he's put a lot into that profile, and uh, it's it's exactly the sight that, that that Joe and I wanted. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what we wanted, and, and Hilton got that to us in a week. Oh, you know? wow. So yeah, uh, he's the man. So Hilton, Hilton really, Yam is the man. You you really did work quickly, and absolutely again, you made it happen. So well, again, congratulations uh, to you. This is a reflection of, you're asking me again, where, where do I want to go? Yeah. I want to be able to do things fast and at the top of the market and efficiently. And, and so having the right people that could be nimble and who can just jump on stuff and put in the time and not make mistakes and not backtrack and not end up with stuff that doesn't work, that's not compatible, with the, that, that's where we wanted to go, and we have that capability. Awesome. You know? Great. Well, sorry to see Keith go, but <laughs> we only have the three mics, so let's yep. bring Jordan Castro on. Thank you, Keith. Come on in, Jordy. Hey, bud. All right. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So here we have Jordan Castro. And uh, tell us a little bit. I mean, Bruce, you do the intro of Jordan here. Well, Jordan Castro came highly recommended to me by uh, my my uh, former sheriff, now retired, Chris Humphreys, who's a phenomenal man, a guy that I would follow into a molten volcano tomorrow. Right. If Chris Humphreys says something, I believe it, period. You know, unimpeachable. Mm. So when he came to me one time and said, you know, there's this young man that I'd like you to meet. And when he gets out of school, if you ever listen to me about anything, and this is a guy I've gone through the door with, right? <laughs> then I, you know, hire this guy, hire yeah. this, this young man. Uh, and I, on faith, we met, I've uh, got to know you. Mm-hmm. I was in the middle of, with my team at the time uh, of trying to produce uh, 1,250 triggers a week for the six hour Legion DASA guns that were new on the market and really hot. And SIG was just, you know, every week I get a call from a guy, Mr. Dennis, that would ask me, you know, how many triggers were shipping that week? And it had to be 1,250. And Jordan came in just on his own time and just was polishing triggers and prepping things for us and working long nights to, to help that happen. I, I saw this, this, this young guy having this tremendous work ethic and heart. The thing with Jordan, is his, his superpower is that he, I, I know that no matter what happens, I don't even have to think about him not making the right decision. So I basically put him in charge of the production side of the company because I have absolute faith in his judgment mm-hmm. and absolute faith in his work ethic, and he's smart as hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Chris was absolutely right. It was the best thing I ever did. 
between these two guys. You know, I, I, I've got two fantastic people, and both of them actually came recommended to me independently as well. Yeah. And uh, so that's how we met, anyway. And, uh, you know. Yeah. The rest is history now. The rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> well, the rest is your history because yeah. you guys are going to continue to run the company for the rest of your life, so far. But, uh, uh, yeah. Um, well, the, my goal for this year for production side is now that I got another guy helping me out, uh-huh. um, we can really step up on our our rate of production and make sure that it's the same Grey Guns quality that it's you know that it's mm-hmm. been and mm-hmm. yeah. and it'll allow me to do more of the designs for our new product to help take pressure off of Bruce and kind of segue me into and Keith uh, to be able to yeah. um, kind of help Bruce take the load off and um, that way we're having a little bit more of a productive year hopefully <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's one thing about Grey Guns and, and the product you guys put out is that people get it, people like it, they want more, mm, they and then more. you have that problem of we'd like to give you more, but it you know there it, it's Would, a challenging thing. Wouldn't you yeah. agree, Jordan? That that's been our biggest up. issue. That's a, yeah, that's been my biggest challenge this year. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And you know, being more, relatively new to this type of position, um, there's a lot of growing pains, a lot of learning for me. Yeah. And um, I feel like this year I've learned a lot, and or this past year I've learned a lot. And um, now I got that uh, our new guy Darvin. He's really, <laughs> um, yeah. really taking the pressure off of me to um, kind of walk him through what needs to be done. And so he's having him take on that role um, is helping me spend more time with Bruce. Yeah. And you know this um, this slide was the first really main. Thing that Grey Guns has produced that I've had a um, a hand in designing. So mm-hmm. having that so well um, received by everybody at Range Day was yeah. was really encouraging and um, just goes from here now. So. Well, yeah. If I may, I mean, yeah. a slide might be considered one of the more challenging and critical things that you do in gun making. Yeah. Uh, you know, let's face it. it there, you know, there are people that make great slides. There's also a lot of stuff out there that's kind of funny. Uh, it just—it's a hard thing to make. Uh, and I—I I have to brag again. Brag on Jordan. He's very self-effacing, but uh, he was able to come up with a, a model file and inform the the fine-tuning of that by our our, our engineer machinist uh, in record freaking time. Nine days. Mm. Nine days. They, they, they were able to take everything we'd learned up to that point, synthesize it into wow. a model, and end up with three, because we, we don't have just one of these. We have yeah. three of this pattern. Uh, and already we figured out, uh, or Jordan's actually figured out, the cosmetic design that this will actually be uh, reflected in the, in the finished product. Uh, gotcha. And he's done that all just uh, amazingly and unerringly. So I, I can't say enough. Good job, man. Yeah, phenomenal. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not phenomenal. He's very self-effacing. He's modest. Yeah. Uh, these guys are geniuses. Yeah. I'm telling you. That's great. Uh, you know, and, and again, you're 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 a young guy, you know, and here you are, twenty three, twenty three, twenty three. You know, just uh, Run, running it, half of a multi million dollar company. I, I was not doing anything like what you were doing at your age. Uh, so what a remarkable opportunity you have. But obviously, again, you 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 came highly regarded, and you've proven yourself, or else I, I presume you would not still be here. So, uh, you know, so my first. Uh, Kind of learning about well, I, I guess I was aware of Grey Guns for some time, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of years probably, but it wasn't until uh, I really got into the P320 platform, and I enjoy the 320. You know, I picked up an X5, started shooting that, enjoying that, competing mm-hmm. with that, 
And then, you know, kind of realizing, well, you know, a little bit better trigger wouldn't hurt, obviously, you know, mm -hmm. shooting competition. I shot stock for a year and then thought, it's time to, to, to upgrade. So I ordered that trigger. You guys, uh, I mean, of course, I kind of had to wait till it was in stock. That's okay. It's all mm -hmm. right. But once it was in stock, I ordered. It showed up very quickly. Got my hands. Got everything installed. And the rest is history. I've been, I've been a fan since because, uh, one, it improved my shooting uh, experience in a big way and then as I've become more and more familiar with everything you guys do uh, I've just been really wowed by, by every, everything you got going and you know it's actually been really surprising and, and kind of fun for me to learn more about you your company and these young up-and-comers that I honestly I had no idea I mean if you'd asked me a year or two ago mm -hmm. about gray guns I, I mean Bruce Gray he's gray guns but Really, I mean, you've got such a remarkable team surrounding you. Now, we've kind of neglected one piece of the, the, the whole thing here. That? And that is that you, there are more people than what is just here. Yes. And, in fact, you've, in the last year or so, expanded, and you've got a whole operation back out in Indiana. We do. Uh, we, Which, we, I mean, we, we, you want to touch on that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we, we, we recognized when we were in Spray, Oregon, which is a town of 150 people, in a county the size of Rhode Island with 1,400 people in it. I would have entire shifts where I'd go run traffic and not see another car. Yeah. Right? Uh, where the, we hit, were packed into 1,800 square feet. We needed to make some room. We needed to be able to expand. And so we split off uh, the shipping, receiving, sales, and marketing uh, under Michael Grasso, uh, yeah. a dear friend of mine, a 35-year LAPD detective sergeant and a friend of mine for a long, long time. He was a brilliant guy who uh, basically took that and helped us build our brand in a, in a very large global sense uh, and created a, a sales and marketing and fulfillment system uh, that has been really effective. Uh, with some uh, health challenges that he's having right now, we're trying to take some pressure off him, frankly. Sure. Uh, he's doing well. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we're, we're recognizing as well, though, that internally we still have some communication issues between ourselves in terms of just knowing what's in stock, what's not. Uh, and the, some of those have added to some of Jordan's challenges mm -hmm. uh, to be able to keep things in stock and take care of the customer and say, I love that trigger, I want another one. Yeah. Uh, and so we've made the difficult decision to bring all of that back to Reedsport, where we can have it all in one room so that basically Jordan can like look through a door and say, yeah, we have nine of those, or we have uh, 873, mm -hmm. as the case may be. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're uh, re kind of re- organizing our company uh, so that we can actually get maximum benefit with least amount of stress mm -hmm. for the folks that have been busting their butts for us for a couple of years back there. Yep. Uh, and so that, that actually is all going to work out, I think, very well for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and it's going to allow us to consolidate things and be a much more efficient on the production side, which is, again, this is Jordan's big, big, big challenge. His main job is to make sure that things get made and yeah. get out on time. Yeah. Uh, and, and we needed to do that for him so that he had every tool at his disposal to be able to execute on that. And he's yeah. been doing a phenomenal job with it. Yeah. So, so, But yeah, we have a bunch of people. Uh, we have uh, eight people in Reachport. We have three in Indianapolis. And then we have other people that are very much part of the Grey Guns family that have their own independent companies, but they're really, really closely linked. Right. And then, of course, I think 6R is, what, 1,800 employees or so? Yeah, and by extension, we, 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 we get, uh, you can't hurt it. We that was me that. knocking the gun over. Yeah. <laughs> no, you won't hurt that scope. Yeah. Um, and so we, we, but we do have a, a, a larger organization probably, and I think a more capable one than most people know. Yeah. Uh, most people, I think, when they look, think of gray guns, they think of custom pistol smith thing. They may know my personal reputation going back years ago, building 1911s and such. Uh, they may know about P320 triggers, but they probably don't know that we have uh, essentially uh, top of the market stuff for everything for yeah. a six hour pistol. Yeah. 
Jordan, just go over for us real quick. I mean, like what are you – know, I'm sure I'm positive I've got podcast listeners that don't know what you guys offer like in totality. So <laughs> can you over kind of overview for us like everything – well, maybe not everything, but give yeah. us a, a pretty good idea of everything that Grey Guns does. So I guess we can start with the classic P-Series line. Yep. We do um, – we have a couple different types of triggers. We have ones that are just drop-in replacements, don't change any weight. They're just shoe replacements, and then which also have features of pre- and over-travel adjustability, mm-hmm. um, both curved and straight at yep. the moment. Yep. Um, we also have what we call the ELS, Enhanced Leverage System, where it's a trigger-trigger bar combo where it'll, just dropping it in, will re- reduce the double action pull by about 20 or 30%. Somewhere in that range, depending on where yeah. the gun starts, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, so that's for the trigger, and in the case of trigger bar replacements, that's kind of where we're at. With the enhanced leverage system, we have a straight, dual adjustable, a hybrid, which is in um, which is in our LDC that we had at range day, mm-hmm. and um, coming soon is going to be a curved version as well. Mm-hmm. Cool. We also have our own um, short reset kit. That is similar to SIGs. Um, we have a um, machine sear that will, that'll help reduce your reset. Um, it also comes with a safety lever and some mainsprings. Also, I might mention that that uh, our machine tool steel SRT system uh, is made in cooperation with SIG. Uh, because, of course, they have the SRT as a production item. Ours is oriented uh, more toward complementing our parts, but it's still cross, you know, yeah. directly cross-compatible. Yeah. You know? Yep. Just a nice part. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep. That's cool. Another thing we just came out, uh, I want to say beginning of the year or towards the end of last year, was our new strut system where it'll help um, reduce any spring fatigue, um, any rubbing of the spring in the main, uh, the strut that you feel in the double action pole, any kind of grittiness or texture that you feel that helps pretty much take it all out. Yeah, it really. makes the hammer really smooth and flat. Yeah, it does. It really helps. Um, we also include an aluminum seat. So instead of the plastic one that comes from the factory, it's aluminum, aluminum uh, machined in-house, actually. That was one of my first projects once mm-hmm. we got our new machine, mm-hmm. um, which also comes with a master spring set. So um, two mainsprings and then our competition sear spring. Mm-hmm. That pretty much does it for our P-Series yep. uh, line. Yeah, well, we have see, we have dual oh. adjustable SAO triggers as well that tr- for, yeah, yeah. for the various different versions of the right. SAOs, whether it be the X5 or the Legion style, yep. depending on the trigger bar. Yep, yeah. yep. that yep. makes sense. And th- those, are, th- those, uh, those, I think, people are starting to kind of catch on to them. Mm-hmm. Again, being dual adjustable, uh, you, you can completely really just trim out all the excess motion yeah. uh, and, and shorten up the reset without affecting uh, safety values, which is yeah. really, really critical. Yeah, that's Absolutely. cool. Um, oh, and guide rods. We do have guide yeah. rods available, um, mm-hmm. a solid steel uh, mm-hmm. machine. Then 320, I think, is one of the biggest things that we're known about. Yep. Yeah. Um, we have um, hybrid and uh, straight adjustable for over-travel that you can pair with, a, uh, with our drop-in competition kit. And which is uh, which is a, which includes a um, a sear that we modify from the factory um, to help crisp make that trigger pull nice uh, nice and crisp. Mm-hmm. It includes four competition weight sear springs, and then four intermediate uh, sear springs that are in between the competition weight and what comes from the factory. So you can kind of 
play with what you want. If you like a really nice light trigger pull, you got nice competitions, um, mm-hmm. weight, yeah. sears, uh, sears yeah. springs. And then if you want a little bit more, um, if you don't quite like a, you know, three and a half, four pound trigger, there's uh, something a little bit heavier for you, but it still gives you a little bit of drop from the factory. Yeah. Um, it includes also trigger bar springs. That is a uh, competition weight, and then also another intermediate. So it gives it's you... It's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so that intermediate, if you don't like the, I guess, the factory one that really pushes your finger out there, it's a little bit softer, but it still gives you a nice tactile uh, reset. And then the competition weight one is real pretty soft um, for those who yep. like that. Yep. yep. Awesome. Altogether, uh, people can expect a trigger pull that could be around three or maybe even a little under three um, uh, with the, the lightest choices of springs, which we, uh, of course, recommend for range use. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah, you, as Jordan's saying, you can kind of fine-tune and you can get gradations now uh, to get trigger weight and texture uh, that you want all the way up to factory or a little less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. excellent. Um, I guess expanding on that, we also uh, have guide rods, solid seal yep. guide rods for mm-hmm. both the full-size and the X5 uh, series. Um, comes with a 15 pound 1911 style recoil spring, which allows you to, you know, kind of customize if you reload, especially in competition. Um, you can change those uh, recoil springs to tune it to your load that you um, <laughs> that you shoot. Um, yep. The 15 is pretty similar to the factory, so it will shoot um, yeah. pretty much everything that you yeah. can feed it. Yep. Um, we also have grip modules, those really yep. pretty uh, mm-hmm. laser stippled grip modules. Right. Uh, yeah. That Mike uh, Grosso came out with. Yeah, grayscale. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah grayscale. It's brilliant yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. brilliant stuff. It and, works and, well. And you wouldn't believe how many grip modules he sells. <laughs> you just wouldn't believe it. It's, 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 it's amazing. I'll That's tell you, amazing. it really makes a big difference, uh, obviously, just in, in, in the typical textured areas. But what I appreciate, especially like on the X5 series, or the uh, uh, X series, mm-hmm. is how you filled in even some of the, just the you know, empty space. Mm-hmm. And just made sure that everything, basically, where your hand is going to be in contact, it has texture. That's right. As a guy that likes a lot of texture, mm-hmm. but not necessarily super aggressive, but just mm-hmm. having everything filled in, yeah. I, I, it's a pet peeve of mine to see a to pick up a gun and be like, "Why is there this big, open, smooth space? You know, where right. my palm of my support hand needs to go? You right. know." Right. So you guys do a really good job. I have found Thank it made you. it's made a big difference for me and. The way I grip my gun. Thank you. I, yeah. I, I appreciate that, and I'm going to pass that back to him. He, uh, yeah. I, I know he's uh, he and his, his his laser man that he's paired up with are uh, always looking at different ways and and uh, new designs and such. I know he's got other things he's going to be coming out with, yeah. but uh, yeah, that that's been you know a, 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 such a, a in a sense a simple concept, but just brilliantly executed. And yeah. the way he's done it, I think, is just great. And it's yeah. it, it's made a huge difference for us. Yeah, and it's been really a great product. Yeah, and then of course you've got even uh, parts and things for P365. Uh, like straight Absolutely. trigger, for instance. Yep. 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 And uh, we just came out. I didn't say we just came out, but probably um, in the last quarter of the year, uh, we came out with the over travel adjustable version. Yep. So yep. Um, now I've got it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that's great to hear. Um, put a lot of work into refinishing it and making sure it's nice and smooth on your finger. And um, and we also one of the reasons why we added over travel adjustability is that from factory there is some um, tolerance of where. You can have right from the factory pretty much no over travel, right. or you can have a little bit that you need to get that you would want to get rid of. So, having that screw to um, be able to adjust it makes it where it's 
a lot more uniform, I guess, yep. across the board. Exactly. So, yeah, it yeah. takes all the any variations in factory between their tolerance regime and allows you to just dial it out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, you know, I wasn't sure how much a difference it would make. You know, and arguably maybe not a ton of difference, but I, yeah. I did have a little a little bit of slop there on the over travel <laughs> side of things. Sure. You know, just being able to dial that right to a place that's just, you know, people pick up mine and try that trigger and they go, oh, wow, that's mm-hmm. really nice. Well, and I think what you'll find over time, uh, as pistols wear in and such, that value changes. Yeah. And having the ability to kind of go back and tweak it a little yeah. bit uh, to keep the trigger consistent uh, is important. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. You got mag uh, base plates. Uh, For the 320? Yep. All, yeah. Yep. All kinds of yep. things. Yeah. Also a product that Grasso came up with. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, it, and so it kind of sounds like like kind of maybe the more gunsmithing things are done in in Oregon, mm-hmm. and then kind of maybe the grips and base you know, pads. that base pads are yeah, done out in Indiana. And, 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 yeah, yeah, and will continue to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, because we're 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 really wanting Michael uh, Grasso to focus very hard on that because it, it, it's been an incredibly important part of our of our business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, you know, we're not here specifically to make money, honestly. And I, I, it's not like I'm up for sainthood or anything. But again, the reason we're here is because uh, I want these guys to be successful. And I want the company to be able to employ a bunch of people. Uh-huh. You know, I want us to grow and be able to do good things. It makes, it makes a difference in people's lives. It absolutely to does. To have, you know, absolutely good, does. gainful employment that, you know, that, that they're happy and satisfied with. And, and I feel the same way about our guys, you know. And, yes. And that's the best feeling in the world to know that, you know, our, what, what we do at concealcarry.com puts food on families' tables, puts roofs over their heads. Absolutely. You know, and they, they enjoy and they love their jobs. Isn't that a great feeling? Oh, it feels amazing. And, and so for a guy like Michael to be able to come in and create an entire new market and an yeah. entire new product line uh, just in out a, of his head. In a big way. In a big you way. You guys made a and, splash with and, and do it, again, top of the market stuff, do it for a reasonable price and be able to make scads of them, you know, uh, working with our partners here at Six Hour. Yeah. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's been a blessing to us. And so we're, we're, we, we want to turn them loose and just have them just go nuts with it. We really do. Yeah. Uh, he's done a, just a phenomenal job for us in this. Awesome. Is there anything we missed or failed to cover? Uh, I, I don't know that we have necessarily, Jordy. I, I, I would like to just say that yeah. just out of... Uh, out of the interest of, of naked self-promotion, <laughs> uh, which I don't really do, uh, I'm not good at, yeah. but uh, when you're talking about the history of the company and where I personally came from with it, uh, again, I'm very proud of the fact and don't mind saying that uh, because of our long relationship with SIG, I've been working with them in one level or another somewhat officially for about 15 years now, ever since uh, before Mr. Cohen came in. Yeah. Uh, and because of my long history working on SIGs, there's a fellow named Lou Gosnell, who I hope to run into here at the mm-hmm. shop, or at the show. He's uh, a police officer, old friend of mine, IPSC shooter from back in the day. Uh, great guy. Haven't seen him in a while. I did a 226 for him when they first came out back in the mid-80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from, from there, you know, I've been working on these things really long and hard. I, I'm proud of where we've been able to go with it. it, it's, it I am, un, un, understandably, I guess, proud is the only word of, of being able to somebody being somebody that could actually originate these things, um, yeah. whether it be the dual adjustable trigger system that we've come up with or the enhanced leverage systems that we're working with in the ELS, and which actually has found its way into other things as well, uh, being able to do uh, a number of things for SIG, which are proprietary to them, which, you know, that, that's between you and SIG. Um, we're very proud of that. Yeah. And what I want to do is give these guys the capability to be able to go on with that. I'm not going to be around forever. Uh, they're going to be around for a long time. And I want them to be able to continue to, to innovate and stay at, kind of at that cutting edge. Yeah. And that, that's, that's the biggest change, and that's the biggest part of the vision that I, I guess I really want to articulate to, yeah. articulate to you that, I, that maybe I didn't make clear before. Yeah. We, you know, we, uh, we don't want to be huge. We just want to be in front. You know? Well, I think that's a, a really 
good place to just sort of wrap this up. I mean, we can certainly talk again and, and do something again down the road, but I really appreciate the last, Thank honestly, you. I, it was the fastest hour and 15 minutes I think I've uh, had quite some time. So, uh, well, you're you know, very kind. Thank been, you, Riley. It's been, been a pleasure to chat with you guys, to bring your you and your team on, talk about all these different things, you know, historical context stuff, you know, look at some of the cool things, latest and greatest things you're doing. Yeah, and, of you. course, you know, the whole lineup uh, of products that you guys got. All that you can find at grayguns.com. Grayguns.com, spelled with an, an A, G-R-A-Y-G-U-N-S.com. Yeah, that's right. Be clear about that. Which yeah. is really, I think, the correct and proper way to spell gray. Yes. G-R-A-Y. I think so. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, it's a, a little distinction between maybe Scottish and English, perhaps. Right, I don't, right. You know, it could be, and yeah. it matters to me. But, uh, you know, every now and then we'll have a customer that will be frustrated because they couldn't get a hold of us on email, <laughs> and we're finding that they're spelling our, our name wrong. Sure, you know, sure. It happens. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Yes. But, yep. but, but Riley, again, thank yes. you so much. Thank you, It's Bruce. been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Well, stay tuned for more great coverage from the show, and thank you for being a part of this episode today. Thank you. Thanks. All righty. Wasn't that a great interview with those three guys? I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Bruce, Keith, and Jordan of Grey Guns. You guys heard the website. He threw it out there. Again, grayguns.com is where to find them. And, of course, today's honorary sponsor of the episode, Sig Sauer. We, we again, thank you so much to Sig for their hosting of us at their booth for the podcast. Uh, we had a great time there that week. And so with that, we're going to wrap it up. I'm going to let you go. And so with that, until next time, and by the way, next interview is also pretty darn awesome with Jack Carr, author of The Terminalist, True Believer, and soon-to-be-released Savage Son. That'll be a good one. Tune in for that one. That'll be, should be aired tomorrow. So we'll look forward to it. Until then, train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. <laughs> <laughs>